The Rewatchables is brought to you by the TV series, Mr. Mom, based on the beloved classic 80s film, the new voodoo original series, Mr. Mom. Tells the story of Greg and Megan Anderson as they navigate family life at modern times. Mr. Mom is a fun, lighthearted look at what it's like to be a parent today and can be enjoyed by the whole family. All the episodes of Mr. Mom now available on Vudu for free. Watch it today. VUDU.com slash Mr. Mom. VUDU.com slash M-R-M-O-M. Amanda Dobbins is here. We're doing a rewatchables about the original Mr. Mom with Michael Keaton, which is a fascinating rewatch. Here we go. Ever since Jack Good luck. and his wife switched careers, he's seeing a new angle on life. What? She's going to blame it on you now. You threw me at him. A new angle on love. Did I tell you? And a new angle on the neighbors. Are these any good? Yeah, plenty. Michael Keaton and Terry Garr in Mr. Mom, a mother of a comedy. Rated PG. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Bill. The plot of this movie, an unemployed Detroit engineer becomes a stay-at-home dad and takes care of three young children after his wife lands a job and returns to the advertising business as an executive at a big advertising agency. It's hard to imagine that this was a groundbreaking premise, but it actually kind of was in 1983. I hadn't seen this before in anything. It's like, wait, the the wife's going to work and the dad's going to stay home? I was actually surprised at how how normal it seemed in the context of the movie because it's made in 1983. What we know now about kind of role reversals in the 80s, there are a lot of things still in development, right? In yes. terms of mom's going to work, dad's staying at home. That was a new concept. And- Just tapped into it. Yeah. So it's kind of, you're going to the original source code. It's like, we have this idea of Mr. Mom in our head. That's like a catchphrase, right? But this invented it. Essentially. Actually invented it. Yeah. It is true. So there's some stuff going on here from the 80s that I just, as a child of the 80s, have to go through. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, this was a role reversal movie decade. Mm -hmm. So it starts the year before with Tootsie, which Terry Garr is also in. She's in Mr. Mom and Tootsie, where Dustin Hoffman plays an actor who can't get a role and decides to dress up as a woman and becomes a soap opera star. So you have that. You have Mr. Mom in 83. You have Baby Boom in 1987 and Three Men and a Baby in 1987. Three dads have to take care of a baby. This is going to be hilarious. Um, Not to mention all the Freaky Friday type of stuff that always happens. But this was kind of an era for role reversal. Can I ask you about the Baby Boom role reversal? Because Baby Boom is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I thought a lot about it in the context of Mr. Mom. Because Mr. Mom is kind of like the dad figuring out how to be a parent in the modern world of the 80s. And Baby Boom is about a mom figuring out how to be a mom, a parent in the modern world of yeah. the 80s. But what is the role reversal? In Baby Boom? Yeah. I thought there was. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think it's just, so she basically, she's, it's Diane Keaton, right? And she's like a- Well, it's a role reversal if she's like a professional right. woman who now has to realize like, oh- she has to, she, it's like the original, can women have it all work-life balance movie? Yeah. Which yeah. also, I mean, that, that was another theme of the eighties, right? That's right. like a working girl and all totally. type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we have like this 10 year stretch and I guess we could throw in, look who's talking to her. It's like, these babies can talk <laughs> and they're sarcastic, <laughs> but the this role- was a move where they just looked at the traditional characters that TV shows and movies had been mm-hmm. beating in the ground in the sixties and seventies. Like, well, how can we flip this? 
Right. What if this happens? Right. And I guess it is the first time the 70s or when like women are actually in the workplace in dramatic numbers. And so it's kind of, it's the first time that there are enough, there's enough updating of like quote, traditional social roles that then you start making movies and TV shows examining that change. And that even going earlier, nine to five was a really big movie when Mm -hmm. I was a kid. It was probably like 1980. I think Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin flipped the workplace on its head. It's kind of an amazing me too movie now Mm -hmm. because the whole second half of the movie is basically them getting revenge on their Me Too boss, but it's a comedy. Yeah. And I it probably hasn't aged that great, but that was going on. But then you also had like Norma Ray and you right. all these different types of things where this was really the 80s kicks this off. Yeah. I kind of think they've aged pretty well. I all agree. Of the 80s movies because it's like you're looking back and it's what, 30, 35, even 40 years ago now. And they at least they were asking the questions. The yeah. tough thing is kind of when you look at where we are now. And it's like, oh, this was a problem back in 1983. And we still haven't totally figured out how to talk about these things. Well, we, there's a, exactly. one scene in this movie that yes. is a great scene <laughs> yes. in the 2019 lens. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, well, they were asking the questions. They were yeah. engaging with the issues. So there's many, many, many just hardcore 1980s things about this movie. Mm-hmm. It starts off saying an Aaron Spelling production. <laughs> I was like, oh, Aaron Spelling. This was during his height of, he had Dynasty mm-hmm. and a bunch of big hit TV shows, but a few years before 90210 and Melrose Place right. and that whole run. Um, written by John Hughes. Love it. Which this was the year that he landed two planes, National Lampoon's Vacation, which was honestly one of the biggest comedies of the 80s for me. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones I probably watched the most. And then this movie in the same year, and this one, they kind of took the script away, which will, or they they had other people come in and change some stuff. Right. But the success of this movie leads to him getting, uh, so Mr. Mom made 64 million bucks. A lot. Yeah. Universal, who had kind of taken the movie away from him and given the script to other writers to spruce it up and make it whatever they wanted to be. They're like, oh crap. They give him a three picture deal for $30 million. The three films. 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Weird Science. So basically, Mr. Mom is the reason that we have an entire genre of smart teen films. So the question is, could John Hughes have happened anyway? I don't know. Mr. Mom made it happen. (laughs) And then you go into some, you know, he does some kind of wonderful. Like he, he is the most influential kind of popcorn teen movie person of the 80s. I would say he made most of the good movies of the 80s that affected me. And especially Breakfast Club was like the godfather if you were 16 in high school in 1985. Yeah, of course. And Pretty in Pink and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, he invents the modern teen genre, which again, like we take for granted now. And we think that- Which ripped off for 35 years. Yeah. Now Netflix is just remaking exactly. all of those same movies again. Exactly. They're taking the same plots. Yeah. See if that- this is deep hardcore eighties, but uh, Michael Keaton and Terry Gar mm-hmm. were two of like the Mount Rushmore Letterman guests, and <laughs> Letterman is the most influential late night show from eighty two to eighty seven. Basically, Terry Gar was his number one female guest. She was on all the time. They had this crazy flirty relationship, and he did this show once in his office 
where the big thing at the end was he convinced her to take a shower in his bathroom. Yes. Yeah, so no, we I, didn't see anything, but it was just like, it, that's how like crazy their relationship was. I read this on Wikipedia yeah. and I was just like, I have some questions. It's it's not nearly as creepy as you think it would. <laughs> it's more like a dare. Like I okay. dare you to take a shower. We don't right. see anything. She's in there. We just see the steam coming and her complaining about Dave. Like it's okay. fine. It's not bad. So Terry Garr was kind of the Drew Barrymore Letterman of the well, 80s. Even bigger. They, I, I well, think, just in terms of their relationship, because yeah. I grew up in the 90s watching with Drew, Drew Barrymore. Barrymore flirting with him all of the time and going through her Drew Barrymore stuff live on network TV. This was the first time, you know, Carson was huge back then, but this is the first time I ever remember a guest coming on a show where you're just like, why don't you guys just get it over with? <laughs> just, go, just go in the back. Like, just you guys should just get married. You guys are great together. And then Michael Keaton was the other one. And he had Night Shift in 1982, which is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite 80s movies. Comes a star. And he would go on Letterman and he would just crush. Yeah. Absolutely. Like him and Tom Hanks, both of them would just crush. So it was weird to see them in this movie. And it kind of became like the Letterman baby of a movie. Right. Where it's like, oh, these two, they're, they're Letterman approved. I'll go see this. I was just surprised more broadly to learn that this is very early in Michael Keaton's career. Oh, yeah. And this is a lot of ways how we learn about Michael Keaton, which is very funny in retrospect. Well, have you seen Night Shift? No. Okay. Well, I was, it wasn't no. yet. I was 13 when it came yeah. out. So he's in Night Shift. Nobody knows who it is. It's Ron Howard's first movie. Mm -hmm. Henry Winkler, not as the Fonz, which was a big deal at the time because he had the Fonz hangover. Fonz was like the biggest 70s character. And it's about like these two guys in a morgue who decide to basically. You know, that there's Shelley Long plays a prostitute who lives. This is a hard movie okay. to explain. Okay. A prostitute who lives <laughs> in Henry Winkler's building. And she gets roughed up by, this is really terrible. She gets roughed up by a customer. Henry Winkler gets upset and he's like, how can we provide protection to you? And they decide to run basically a brothel out of the morgue. Okay. It's an insane premise. A brothel out of a morgue. And Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Keaton plays Billy Blaze Jasky, and it's honestly one of the funniest characters of the 80s. And every scene he's in, he you should watch it with Zach. Okay. He All crushes. Right. So it was like a big deal. What's his next movie going to be? Because this is like, this guy's a major star and he's on Letterman. And it's just like, what's next? And I'll step on half fast internet research. He turns down Splash to do Mr. Mom. Incredible. And there's this whole Hanks Keaton thing that we should talk about. Yeah, I, I'd like to. I have some thoughts of my own about Michael Keaton that I'll, I'll save for later. So in they're life. they're head to. I've talked about this before. They're head to head to head for ten years. Okay, it's just going back and forth. Yeah. It's like bird and magic. So Hanks ends up winning, obviously, because sure. he has all the Oscars. Then Keaton has a nice comeback, and they both done great. They're both Hall of Famers. It's funny though. Keaton will talk openly about how he turned down Splash. There's usually this code with actors, and I've had it happen to me with podcasts where you're like, what's the biggest movie you've ever turned down? Like, um, who did it recently? The guy, uh, uh, Sean Penn. Mm -hmm. When I had him oh, right. on, I was like, what was the biggest role he turned down? It was like Pulp Fiction. He's like, I don't want to say what the role was. Because yeah. there's like this actor code. Mm -hmm. I think it was the Bruce Willis role. But he didn't want to say that. He didn't want to call Bruce Willis. Keaton is openly like, I turned down Splash. I was the first choice for Splash. I turned it down. So I, I do think it's a good rivalry. Yeah. I also feel like with all respect to Michael Keaton, who I really enjoy, and I would like to talk about the ways that I, in which I enjoy him later, but I, he lost like conclusively to he Tom did. Hanks. So I think at that point you're allowed to just say, well, there we go. 
He lost. It was, I'm telling you, it was neck and neck for 10 years. And there were moments when Keaton had the advantage. Um, A league of their own and Philadelphia. Yeah, that's true. Philadelphia was like, oh shit. And then Forrest Gump the next year. And then I was like, oh my God. Tom Hanks is the most important actor we have. But for 10 years, that that was not the case. Um, So the producer, I had her name, something Donner. She told Newsweek, Mr. Mom became part of the vernacular. Mm-hmm. represented a segment of men who were at home dealing with the kids who up until then really hadn't been heard from. That's what really told me about the power of film because it spoke for a lot of men. It also helped women because I think that women sometimes, if you're a housewife, you're not really appreciative for what you do. This sort of made women feel better about what they did because they knew that men were understanding it. It's a very 1980s yeah. representation of what was going on. I mean, I wasn't there I, it was interesting watching this because my parents both worked and I was born a year after this movie came out. So yeah. it's kind of like watching my parents a little bit, even yeah. though they, they both worked. But I, I guess I wasn't there, so I don't know that people weren't talking about this. And I have it very, I find it very hard to believe that The Atlantic wasn't running. Like, what does it mean for the mother and the family? Like, yeah, you none know, of that's happening. In 1983, but I guess it's not. It's TV had a big impact on this. Like the the idea of a mom was like Mrs. Brady and the Brady Bunch. Right. Who not only had no job and not only was home all day, but even had Alice the maid with her. And it was always unclear what she did other than just kind of not approvingly at the kids. Right. Well, there's six was, of them. Yeah. But that was kind of the typical 70s mom yeah. or like the mom from Happy Days, um, Mrs. C. Right. And just like the mom was the stabilizing force who cooked, who always had food ready and ready to put an arm around somebody. Right. And that was it. We didn't really see, you know, we, we grabbed so much info from TV back then. We didn't have the internet. So all the shows really kind of determined a lot of what we thought about things or the movies. I remember Kramer versus Kramer. So that was 79, mm-hmm. which we're doing on a rewatchables. Yes. Am I, am I allowed to be back on that? You Why? kicked me off briefly. Cause I Why? hadn't seen some movie about divorce with, Oh yeah, we're we're still reviewing your resume. I forgot. Okay, I'm I'm pledged to watch it, and I'm also here to talk about parental issues. You yeah, know. um, it's Kramer versus Kramer. The mom leaves. Okay. Yeah. Bad marriage. Moves to the West Coast. Gets a job. Mm-hmm. And you're watching this, going, "You're evil. You left your kid <laughs> to get a job." This is forty years ago, yeah. but that was kind of the mentality of this. So when they flip it around. It's a little awkward. We can get to some right. of there's the, the, the transition of Terry Gard just suddenly working 15 hours a day is a little weird. Right. And they don't examine it. But can I can I say one thing I liked about this is that she's not really evil in this movie. No. There isn't any of the there's like a weird lack of can can women have it all in this movie or like guilt or shame or you should be a mom at home. And they, they have one scene where it's like. Halloween scene when he confronts her and is like, you should feel bad. But that's the only time that there's any guilt from her. And I found it pretty refreshing. And I was like, this is what I, a 2019 working woman, need to hear about, to see, about embracing your career or whatever. I was like, oh, okay. They didn't feel anxious. Well, the other thing, you mentioned 2019. This movie would have probably been eviscerated in different ways for what it didn't have. Oh, yeah. And I think this is one of the reasons I kind of enjoyed rewatching this. It was like, it's fine. Here's the premise. There's going to be some funny scenes. Right. And then it's going to end happily. We're not right. trying to reinvent the wheel here. Yes. Um, Roger Ebert, two out of four stars. Described Mr. Mom as a, quote, lost opportunity for resorting to cliches rather than finding humor in the characters as portrayed by the, quote, promising and talented cash. I don't know. I, w- I think it's at least two and a half stars. And especially like... When it came out, 
compared to the other comedies that were out, you know, this was like a very, I would say, for lack of a better word, raunchy kind of era for comedies. This is Porky's and Caddyshack and right all those kind of things where it's like there had to be nudity in the comedy and mm-hmm. just that was kind of what was flying back then. This was a traditional. Right. It was just kind of like, oh, I, you could actually take your kids to this. I watched this under the prism of being one of the kids when I saw this. Right, right, right. But now I watch it like under the prism of the parents. And I have a lot of questions like, why aren't any of the kids in pre-K? Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions the about the parenting. But again, I'm kind of like open to it. There is some sex in it. It is still even relatively adult for the fact that it is PG, I believe is what it's rated. And they made it with the intent of taking the kids. Let's go into the categories because we can hit some of the stuff. Uh, Most rewatchable scene. I like Michael Keaton's character's name, Jack. I like when he gets fired and everybody's just trying to strangle (laughs) each other. It just feels very 80s. Yes. You fired these guys after all they contribute. Jack. Ah, don't jack me after the support. Jack. Oh, man, after the devotion they gave you. You're fired too. Now, fire me. I'm, I'm fine. And Jeffrey Tambor and Christopher Lloyd are in that scene. It's just fun to see them together. It's just a lot of weirdness going on. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would write a scene like that these days. Um, Martin Mull's verse, Martin Mull plays the creepy boss. Mm-hmm. His first visit, he's Terry Gar's creepy boss. His first visit to the house and Keaton answers the door of the chainsaw. This is a famous scene back in the right. day. Come on over here, Ron. Let me show you what I'm doing. Taking advantage of some of the time off to uh, add a whole new wing on here. I'm going to rip these walls out and, uh, of course, rewire it. Yeah, you're going to make it all 220? Yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes. Well, you sound like a pretty handy guy. Yeah, well, I like to do a little bit of everything, Ron. I write poetry, I uh, paint, sculpt. Oh, the chainsaw and the overalls and the the backwards and the lion's hat, like the lion's trucker hat. And they're sizing each other up. Right. Can I, re- this is the scene when I realized that Michael Keaton and Mr. Mom invented like the hipster dad. Yeah, oh yeah. Because be- I looked at this and I was like, there are a lot of dads in Brooklyn and Silver Lake with this look trying, maybe, maybe, maybe the marriage isn't going so well. Maybe they're trying to pick up a second wife. I was like, oh, I recognize this archetype. I I had that actually in what's age the worst too because I'll step on it now. Okay, he grows the beard. Yeah, and it's supposed to be this sign that his life is kind of yeah. falling apart. But now most of the dads look like that. Right, the beard is in. I could, it's circled back. I I don't know what this says about me that as he devolves into just like stay the full he got sloppy dad, sloppy dad. I was just like, oh, I I think Michael Keaton looks really good. <laughs> And it's just like, that is where we are as a society that what I am conditioned to find attractive in like a 35 year old man is like a beard that hasn't grown in and a flannel shirt that has not been washed in like weeks. And And I was like, wow, Michael Keaton. Hello. I was watching it going. I was dressed exactly like this on Sunday watching football. (laughs) It's a great job by him. I didn't have a chainsaw. (laughs) Um, That seems really funny. And that's one of the. The, my, it's Michael Keaton. We did a thing at Grantland about him. My mm-hmm. friend Daniel interviewed him. We did like a Playboy type interview with him. It was like 12,000 yeah. words. And he talked about this scene and how they ad lib something about Martin Mull said the thing about what's the wiring in here? And he's like, 220, 221. Like, and he's <laughs> like, I was really proud of that. That ad lib <laughs> was great. But 
he's really fond of this movie and is for whatever reason that scene. Next rewatchable scene is when Jack's house attacks the family. Yes. The washer dryer is yeah. going nuts. The, yes. va- the self-starting vacuum is chasing his kids. <laughs> yeah. Another kid's eating chili. It's just like everything's gone wrong. Right. I actually enjoyed that. You crazy? You fed a baby chili? I had my kids actually this weekend and it, it, it really is like that when you're just thrown into the fire when mm-hmm. you're in charge of everything, when it's a group effort or however you have it at your house, but then all of a sudden it's just you. Yeah. And the things you let go by about 36 hours in, my son's just microwaving sushi from three days ago. I'm like, go ahead, knock yourself out, man. Put some soy sauce on that. Why is he microwaving <laughs> I don't know. It? I'm making it. Uh, the next one for rewatchable. I love, this is a very specific 80s thing. Mm-hmm. The improbable weird race that's really elaborate. Oh, that's yeah. usually at like a work function or a mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. where it's like an obstacle course that's elaborately built. Sure. Would take a couple days to build this course. And it's just like, oh yeah, it's time for the race. And all this stuff's going on. There's cheering. There's hundreds of people going nuts. Yes. It just would not happen now. It's elaborately built for like a four-year-old though. All right. of the equipment is borrowed from a local playground or like the Fisher Price set yeah, that like you set up bicycles. in your backyard. It's like, why are you making grown men do this at a work event? And people That's are going nuts. Thing. Yeah. And the whole concept of letting your boss win because right. it's better for you professionally. I, I enjoyed all of that. Keaton throws the waist at the end. Um, the Halloween scene's good. Two hours notice and you're off to Los Angeles like that. Jack, there is nothing I could do about it. I convinced a man today to spend $11 million on one of my ideas. I gotta go. Besides, honey, there's gonna be other Halloweens, you know. I know there will be other Halloweens, but I'm thinking about this Halloween. I mean, Carolyn, these kids in a couple years are gonna outgrow this thing. Oh, really? You don't seem to have outgrown it, Jack. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I just like the, I like Halloween scenes, I realize, like in movies. Right. And it's the only time they kind of confront, hey, Kind of losing the family here because right. we'll get into this at what stage the worst. She just stops being a mom for like an hour. That's true. She's just completely uninterested yeah, they in don't anything ex- going on with they her don't kids. They don't examine it in, in any way, shape, or form. I will, like I said, I found it kind of refreshing just from the I I'm not a mother, but I have a lot of friends who are and I consume a lot of content like aimed at 30-year-old, 30-something-year-old yeah. women, which is just about just a constant flow of anxiety about how you're failing because you're not being everything to everyone. And it's, it's really oppressive. It seems yeah. like a real bummer. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I kind of like that she doesn't care. Maybe fewer people should care. <laughs> it. I like that her attitude about it. I also like that I'd been waiting for her to kind of be like, for him to say, hey, you have three kids. Yeah. <laughs> it just had to come up at some point. Right. I like that he was dressed up like a prisoner and I actually thought he was pretty good in that scene. I. Not a sold on her, which we'll get to later. Okay. And then the um, the ending where just textbook goofy 80s ending where Ann Jillian's in his room with a drink and he comes out of the shower and then Terry Gar's there. Um, Did they run out of film? It's a real like, okay, guys, abrupt. we have literally four hours to finish this whole movie. It's abrupt. We'll, we'll, that's, I also have that in What Stage is the Worst. Okay. Um, what was the most rewatchable scene for, for you? me? It's the utilities Keaton versus like the washing machine. And yeah, the, yeah. And the vacuum. I, I realized the, the ironing of grilled cheese on the ironing board came from this movie as well, which is oh, yeah. something that I feel has showed up in other movies and is definitely a trope, but have you, have you done it? No, I've never done it, but only cause I don't have an iron. 
Because that's how fun. Because I'm dating the Michael Keaton and like guy with the flannel shirt, so I don't need an iron. Craig, have you done the iron of a grilled cheese? No. So here's the thing. Yeah. I oh, have boy. done the iron okay. of the grilled cheese. All right. How'd it go? It's the best way to make a grilled cheese. I believe that. The problem is it ruins the iron. So oh. it's almost like you need the iron to just be your grilled cheese iron. But who would do that? Because it's going to get butter and cheese in the little holes. And then you're ironing a shirt and it's getting grilled cheese stuff on it. Right. But you have to assume that at this point in time, a specific grilled cheese dedicated iron is cheaper than like a panini grill or whatever they're selling now in order to make a grilled cheese. So go ahead. That's what I'm saying. The the lesson from this is they should make a grilled cheese iron because <laughs> it's a really wonderful way to have a grilled cheese. Um, let's talk about the Mr. Mom TV show on Voodoo. Family, it's a full-time job. The new Voodoo original series, Mr. Mom, follows the Andersons as they navigate family life in modern times. Based on the movie we are talking about right now, tells the story of Greg and Megan Anderson as they tackle everyday issues that arise within the family and work as a team to overcome the unexpected challenges of raising kids. There are challenges. Mm -hmm. There are challenges every day. Yeah. Like yesterday, I came home and my wife was just like, I hate our daughter. Oh, no. And I'm like, what happened? And she's like, nothing specific. <laughs> <laughs> There's an everyday challenge. Uh, so in a modern day twist in this show, Greg quits work, take care of the kids, must juggle his parenting duties while launching his startup called Pizza Mail. Good idea for a startup. I'm interested. Um, meanwhile, former stay-at-home mom Megan lands her dream job, must navigate a new type of work environment tailored for millennials. Kind of know how complicated that is yeah. firsthand. Um, Mr. Mom is a slice of life. Look at what it's like to be a parent today. Can be enjoyed by the whole family. Funny, lighthearted comedy. Perfect for parents and children to watch together. I made my son watch the first episode with me. The episodes are short, which I kind of liked. It's like 12 minutes. Great stuff. Yeah, you can Keep bang them out. It's yeah. almost like it's like a giant movie that they cut into shorter segments. I, I like the style of it. Um, and obviously, I like anything where I can watch um, parents struggling to deal with their weird behavior of their kids. Um, <laughs> episodes are 11 minutes long. You can easily binge the whole thing. Go to voodoo.com slash Mr. Mom. All the episodes of Mr. Mom now available on Voodoo for free. VUDU.com slash M-R-M-O-M. All right, what's age the best? Overmatched dad trying to handle multiple kids at home. I just mm -hmm. always enjoy it. Yeah. I always enjoy it. I know it's probably 2019, not as whatever, but... Um, well, it's just a good gimmick. It's like, oh my God, how does the washing machine work? Whoever's well, doing that, I enjoy it. The thing I actually liked about this is that it doesn't treat it as a huge novelty that it's a man at home. They're just kind of like, well, you got to stay at home. It's more like he's a moron at home. Yeah, exactly. And there are the mean judgy moms, which there still are in 2019. If you've ever been on a mommy board, which I have like vicariously. Yeah. Nightmare situation. But it's it's just he's outmatched and they don't spend a ton of time being like, can you believe that a man would stay at home? No, not so at I all. So I credit them for that. I also liked another what's age the best for me is he makes friends with some of the other moms. Yeah. And they're actually like real friends. Yeah. They're playing poker. <laughs> they take him to a male strip joint at one point. <laughs> and I like the group of friends. I thought Ann Jillian was really good in this movie. Yeah. I have her as what's age the best too. She was in a show um, called It's a Living. Mm-hmm. This was back in the day when I watched every single sitcom that was on TV because we only okay. had like four channels. Yeah. It was a show about a bunch of, I think it was a bunch of waitresses at a club trying to make it. Oh boy. And they all had dreams, but it was a sitcom. 
And she was like the breakout star of it. She, and I think she had a dance background. So she was like famous that, Mm -hmm. you know, like nobody Craig's age would probably know who that is, but she did kind of have a moment and she's good in this. She's got the right level of, you know, she's the, the horny divorced friend who's checking out Michael Keaton, the whole movie, but she's, there's something likable about her. She's in on the joke. Yeah. Yeah. You seem less like you liked her than I did. Well, I liked her, that character to me. We'll, not, we'll talk about I it. I can't defend the character. Well, I'm just kind of like, like the I, don't, I don't know if I needed like that love, but we'll talk about it. But sh- she's good. Yeah. She's yeah, pretty yeah, horned yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keaton watching soap operas. Great stuff. Is both a what's age the best and age the worst? Because <laughs> this, I watched General Hospital during this era. This is what was on during the day. We right. didn't have the internet. Yeah. We had 10 channels. It's like, all right, what's your soap opera? No, I mean, I remember staying home from sick and you just wanted to make sure you watched Price is Right because otherwise it was soap operas. Game shows and soap operas. Mm -hmm. So it starts out, he makes fun of it. And then within five minutes, he's yelling at somebody because whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Another would say the best. I just always like Rocky training music montages. Yeah, I was going to say the pop culture references in this have aged really well. It's Rocky, Jaws, and they do like a fake chariot of fire during the- yeah during the race that you were talking about. And normally when you do really timely pop culture references in a movie or a TV show or a book, 30 years later, it's like, what What are you talking about? They die. It dates it instantly. But well, that's Wayne's World is a great yeah. example of that. They do, especially Wayne's World 2. Yeah. It's a lot of like very era specific pop culture stuff that mm-hmm. somebody like Craig now would be like, I don't get right. that. But they, they picked really well. You they know did. all of these. They all time with stuff. Yeah. Um. I kind of like the tuna commercial, the tuna with a heart. <laughs> Very have, 80s, but I thought it was smart. It's smart. That's one of the things I have done. Like the idea that brands have to have a heart. Yeah. Is like very, very of the moment. Every single brand on Twitter is like, here's what we can do for you to make you feel better about yourself. And that they have that in the commercial instantly. This was a very 80s movie TV theme of how do we connect to the public? Oh, by being human beings like they are. And it just felt very 1983 to me, but it's aged nicely because yeah. I think brands are thinking about this now. You can see it every day on Twitter. Yeah. The ridiculous ending. <laughs> you think it's aged well? Here's what's aged the best about it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the 80s, it was like, okay, we've said all we had to do. Let's go. And it just abruptly ends. This would never happen now, sure. but I actually kind of missed this era where they were like, should we have a better ending? Nah, well, just end it. It's not like they figured out how to do a better ending in no. comedies. It all they always tack on four more scenes, and you're like, I get it, I get it. Let's yeah. go, let's go. So I, I, I agree with you. The brevity, the like, okay, we've tied this up. Let's go. It's they just wouldn't do it this way now. Yeah. But I kind of miss the era of ah, we said everything we had to say. Let's get out of here. Yeah, because Night Shift was like that too. Night Shift ends. I won't spoil it because I really want you to watch it. Watch it now. I'm going to text you like okay. once every That's two great. days so you watch it. Um, it ends abruptly. But it's another one where it's like, yeah, she probably have ended right there. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I'm glad you got up. What's age the best for you? Wait, I have two more. Okay, go. This is a controversial one. I'd love your take on it as a person who actually knows, has experience with this. Yeah. Parenting seems pretty good to me in this. Yeah. It's, there's no helicopter freaking out stuff. They kind of treat the kids independently. They can make their own lunch. He gives that nice speech about you got to give up your blanket. You Not just have a- to give it up. None of them cry. None of them are annoying. None yeah. of them are punching each other. You're right. It's it's a very yeah. nice, clean family. I thought that that was inspiring. And also, this movie just 
kind of accepts on face value that staying home with the kids is like a full-time job and very hard work. That's pretty good. Also it is. true. Yeah. Yeah. Not Rel- a barrel laughs. Relatively progressive yeah. for 1983. I've, I left out uh, Martin Mull, Jeffrey Tambor, and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, that's true. Pretty good trioka. Yes. Uh, for me, what's aged the best is um, Keaton watching soap operas. I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm going off the grid. What's aged the best for you? Well, I would have to say, I think just just the parenting, the basic idea of- 1980s parenting. 1980s parenting seems pretty great. In yeah. Not having done it now, but I'm just like, this seems normal. It seems like you guys have a handle on things. That's maybe not what I expected when I sat down to watch Mr. Mom from 1983, that it would be like soothing. You didn't miss peanut allergies, ADD medication, <laughs> and therapists? I mean, the fact that I don't have kids and I know so much about all of this stuff. Yeah. It just, it's, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, we've let it get too big. Yeah. That's true. what I'm saying. So good job, Mr. Mom. What's age the worst? We'll save, we'll save the big one for last. Okay. So the trumpet heavy theme song at the beginning is very <laughs> 81, 82, 83, where they're just like, hey, we need a theme song. Ah, my friend Bob, he plays the trumpet. Right. He'll whip up something. <laughs> they, it would just be totally different. I don't yeah. know what they would do, but it wouldn't be as bad. But it's very 83 specific. Um, private planes in 1983? What was up with that private plane they were on? I have that, no what, idea. Did, were they like that back then? I was confused. I guess so. And like fur, fur walls. It could. It also, I mean, planes, I didn't fly a plane in 1983 because Tables. I wasn't around for that. But I have been watching a lot of retro shows where the first class cabins of commercial airlines really nice. are just so much nicer. Yeah. So it could have been that. I thought it was a private though. I there, just, there was only 10 people on it or maybe it was the upstairs. Yeah. I was confused by it. All right, well, so we talked about this already, but the beard as a sloppy, my life is falling apart look that mm-hmm. has now just become the actual look for yeah. lots of people. It's aged the worst and also aged the best, I guess. I'm saying this as a movie representation of things of are now going badly for oh, this yeah, person. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because things are just going great for Michael Keaton. It's aged terribly. Yeah. Now I say it, I'm like, ah, I kind of like the beard. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe put a baseball hat on and, and really go there. Yeah. The uh, early 80s punk babysitter was a very 81, 82, 83. <laughs> the babysitter true. showing up with crazy makeup and purple hair. That's true. Um, the kids' room has posters of Rocky Three, mm-hmm. which I was fine with. Okay. And Eric Hipple. I don't, you don't know who that is. I don't is. know who that is. So he was a really, really mediocre Lions quarterback okay. in like 1982 and 83. All right. It could not be a more obscure sports poster and it could not have aged worse. It's in okay. arguably the worst, age the worst thing that's ever been in any rewatchables. Can, can I, as a as a friend, have a little context? Were the Lions good in 82? No, the Lions were not good. Okay. But they Eric are, Kippel was not good. All right, but so they're based in Detroit and in the 82, 83, so they're trying to do some local thing. And I, I assume in the early 80s that you were rooting for the local team instead of picking whatever small, cool market like made across the country. Made sense on the wall. I'm just saying okay. the concept of an Eric Kippel poster. All right. Okay. Were you, were you dating Zach when Ty Detmer was the Eagles quarterback? I, I could have been, yeah. and I still right. wouldn't know. It's the equivalent of that. <laughs> the... Uh, the ending, which I had in What's Age the Best, is also What's Age okay. the Worst, because it's like, hey, the movie's over. Right. Go. Yeah. Leave. Here are the credits. You have to go now. It's like, wait, okay. And then, um, do you have any other What's Age the Be- Worst before we get to the What's Age the Worst yeah, of this? Yeah, well, no, I have one, 
much is just like, I think this movie handles a lot of the the social and gender stuff pretty well. But like the idea that a dad would know how to do nothing is just different now. Like, you know how to do things. Eh. I believe in you. Like, maybe you don't know how to do everything. I know how to do laundry. Right. That's what I'm saying. You probably at least know how to plug in a vacuum, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I, I got that. I think that you have a basic understanding of basic. Th- how things in your house work. Great. And I think most men do at this point, which is not to say that it's like, I don't want to accuse the movie of anything. I just think it's different now that men have like been worked into society a little bit more. This was an 80s trope yeah. of let's exaggerate everything. That- yeah. So really congratulations to you Thank for you. knowing how to do laundry. Um. All right, we gotta do it. The yeah. the Me Too scene. Yeah. In the 2019 Harvey Weinstein reading 68 stories about this behavior of the hotel room and yes. ordering food and hey, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's kind of amazing how she handles it. Yes. And I mean this positively, yes. where she reads the room, understands what's going on, tells him to leave. Right. He doesn't want to leave, and she just punches him in the face, basically knocks him out. Yeah. And then it's like, just goes, going to go tell the husband about it. And it's like, yeah, so my creepy boss and I punched him in the face and that was it. Also very 80s. Yes. I would say it hasn't probably aged that well. Wait, I found it kind of fascinating because, you know, it's not like Harvey Weinstein invented sexual harassment and no. sexual assault. And I think in the 80s, especially as it's the first time that women are really in the workplace and it integrated in a way and actually in positions of of power. So of course it happened all the time. And there's kind of just a, um, she knows instantly what's happening. As you said, there's like a run of the mill nature to it of just being like, I'm stopping this right now. But they set it up every scene that they're in the movie together. You're like, well, this is headed to this specific place that's happening. I think the thing that hasn't aged that well is like, you don't really need this plot and you don't also really need the Joan being really into the dad. It, I suppose it would be an issue, but that like the ultimate climax of the movie is them battling off various people who are interested in them, as opposed to them fighting about like the fact that they don't share parenting duties or whatever. I think that would be the conflict in 2018. I look at it. You take this range from 76 to 83 with TV and movies, pre-AIDS, mm-hmm. and most of the plots are just everybody's trying to fuck everybody else. Mm-hmm. And- Even when you have a comedy like this, where it would seem like, boy, that's weird. They have multiple plots where somebody's trying to fuck the dad or the mom. Yeah. It's thrown in there. Like, like they're not even thinking about it. Yeah. You know? And I I think even if they make this movie 10 years later, they probably re-examine some of the plots. But I do think like, you know, unfortunately and fortunately in some cases, but unfortunately too, most people met at work in 1983. So that was like to- My parents did. To not explore the whole- oh, my boss is hitting on me thing. It was just like a huge factor of life in 1983. So as soon as he's sizing her up, it's like, oh yeah, that's, this is realistic. Right. I think if you couldn't do this now, which is why we're putting in what's age the worst. Right. It would just be handled very differently. I think what's interesting and also I guess kind of depressing if you really think through it is that she, the character knows exactly what to do. It's kind of like, oh, okay. No. It's depressing and impressive. Yeah. Because she navigates it. It's almost like a quarterback. The blitz is coming. It's like, oh, my check down block. Oh, I'll, I'll just throw to this side. Right. She's like, oh, I know what this guy's up to. I'm going to tell him to leave. Oh, he's not going to leave. I'm going to punch him in the face. Right. And then the seat ends. It's kind of unexamined, which no. is, I guess, that yeah, it's, it, which, and I, I do think it's impressive. And I'm like, oh, that it would be nice if you just didn't have to 
if it you didn't even worry about it. But it is also it just does. It's not how it works anymore. Again, coming off nine to five, which was one of the biggest hits of 1980. And the second part of the movie is them torturing their boss. Who right. Yeah. Kept trying to have sex with Dolly Parton. Weird times the 80s. Um, what's age the worst would be that casting yes. what ifs. They considered Chevy Chase, Michael Douglas, Steve Martin, and John Travolta. John Travolta just thrown into all of these movies. Eh. I like where they ended up. They considered Karen Allen, Jane Curtin, Farrah Fawcett, and Sally Field for the role of Carolyn before it ultimately went to Terry Garr, who is going to be coming up in nitpicks. Mm. Ron Howard turned this down to direct Splash. So Splash okay. is just basically the competition for this movie for some reason, even though Splash is Tom Hanks dating a mermaid. <laughs> Best, best that guy or girl, mm-hmm. aka the Joey Pants Award. I'm giving it to Miriam Flynn. Okay. Who is Eddie's wife in vacation. Okay. <laughs> you see her, you know her, like, oh, that lady. She's she's that lady. Okay. Saul Rubinek, they knew award for most overacting. I guess every Martin Mulsing. Yeah. He's really dialed up the whole time. He's just like, I'm a horny and redeeming boss. Right. And eventually I'm, I'm leading, this is leading to me getting punched at the end of this movie. At least he's committing. Yeah. He's in. He dialed it up. Deanne Waiters Award, best heat check. Angelian? I was going to give it to the kids. Well, which one? I like the one with the blanket. I'll give it to that kid. I also like the, the elder kid is just there to do the one-liners about how the dad doesn't know anything. That's pretty enjoyable. <laughs> All right, let's give it to him. If you could recast any part what would you recast? All right. Here's where I got to do my Terry Gar thing. Yeah. She's not good. She's just not a good, not really a good actress, unfortunately. Oh, dear. Yeah. <clears throat> she's okay. not good. This is actually a really interesting part in the right hands. Yeah. And she's not interested in exploring really any part of it. Well, the only thing I would say in Terry Gar's defense is that it's like sort of an interesting plot, but they don't give, there's not a ton of material in terms of exploring what's going <laughs> but on. But could there be though? Like if there she- There could be. If she was, all right, let's say she played the part a little sexier. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, well, maybe you should dial it back. Or if you played it like she was more momish, it'd right. be like, oh, I don't even know how to describe her in this movie. She's not really, she's not really a mom. Yeah. She's kind of throws away the kids for an hour. We don't even see her take interest at all. And the kids are like, how's little Bobby doing or anything like that. She just kind of shows up home all frazzled. Doesn't even ask any questions about them. Um, Doesn't seem to be that interested in how her husband's doing until he gains weight. And then she just throws darts at him. Right. I don't really understand what's going on with her in this movie or why I'm supposed to, how about this? Why am I supposed to like her? What's what, likable about her? Yeah, this was so interesting. And I, to watch with my brain, my millennial brain, where, I, you know, I've been trained my entire life that, you know, women can have jobs too and to be ambitious. Yeah. No, to, to, to be ambitious, to prioritize your career, to, you, you know, go forth in the world. And so I'm like, well, she should get on the plane to go make her right. presentation. She did convince that guy to spend $12 million. Like what, is, you know, why doesn't he understand that? But that's brainwashing of its own. That's like a certain set of priorities in my head. So I think you're supposed to root for her because she's ambitious. She's ambitious or because she also is taking care of the family. That's a whole other thing. They set up the whole economic. There's a recession and he's laid off and there's just a total shift in their family life. And then it's like, they're fine. Not a big deal at all. Yeah, they both they, uh, they both like that. But here's the thing, though. If she's ambitious, why doesn't she 
make that clear in the it's first true. hour of the movie. I agree it's like with you. she's stumbling into all of these things like, oh, I got a job. Oh, now I'm on a plane. This is weird. And it's like, it's, I, I want her to be like more cunning or something. No, I agree with you. It's totally undercooked. And I think they both don't actually show that, you know, script wise. They don't give her the scenes to do that. And her performance is not really there. I agree that she and Michael Keaton have no chemistry. At all. They just don't develop that relationship. He has more chemistry with Angelian. And that is the interesting part of this movie, right? In terms of what happens to these people when they switch roles. It's literally a role reversal, except... It's like they don't exist to each other, so nothing really happens. I had trouble even thinking that she was going to be like really this successful at work because it just seemed to me in the whole movie like she's like a clueless dipshit. Yes. And even- I mean, this is the thing. She took two years. She has two years of advertising experience, she says, and then she stays home to take care of the kids, which is a full-time job. But then she goes back and is suddenly an executive. I'm like, I would like to know how this advertising Like a high-powered executive. Yeah, this is not my understanding of what happens to the women in the workplace after they have kids. I, But apparently the advertising agency doesn't really care. I just didn't buy it. So yeah. who would I cast instead of her? Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer. Of course. Yeah. My hero, my queen. Yeah, but that just really changes the whole dynamic. Yeah, it sure does. It may, Guess what? It makes it interesting. It really does. It's but, like, I, but then uh-oh, it just Michael, changes the movie. Michael Keaton's smoking hot wife is now going to be working with this creep. Now right. I'm really invested. But then you have, to re- you have to recast the creep because you can't even believe that he's a threat to Michelle Pfeiffer. True. She's you gotta just make it on like a Richard, whole other It's got to be like Richard Gere. Yes. That's a more interesting movie. FYI. I think it totally is. There, listen, there are like five different versions of this movie that are more interesting and complicated. And I think that it end with Michelle Pfeiffer as the mom, definitely just leaving the family or having an affair or being like really mean to the husband because he just sits around watching soap operas all day. Well, what, and you get into the fights. What about like he calls and Martin Mull answers? Yeah. And he's like devastated. It's in front of like his friend and their kids and all that stuff. And then that's not really resolved either until she just kind of shows up at the end. I feel like he would have been much better about that. Right. Well, so she why, also, why did a guy answer your phone in a hotel room? Also, she walks in her own bedroom and Joan is just like lying on the bed. Yeah, and that's a tough one. She's just like, oh, okay. I, I'll take your word for it. Joan, what are you doing here? It's, that's Scotch. not okay. Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. The queen of the 80s mm-hmm. and the 90s mm-hmm. and the early 2000s. By the way, she, she's she been on a press tour for Maleficent 2, I believe. Looks she's, fantastic. So she's going to look great for her whole life. Yeah. She's a national treasure. I, I agree with you. <laughs> um, look, there's a reason Terry Gar's career never really exploded yeah. um, as the 80s went on. I will say this, though. I thought she's good in Young Frankenstein. She's really good in Tootsie. Mm-hmm. And... I guess that's what's frustrating for me is in this movie, she's not good. And in Tootsie, she's great. And I don't know why she yeah. couldn't have been Tootsie Terrigar and pulled that into this movie and at least created a character. I think Tootsie Terrigar is a character. This is, what's the character? How would you even describe this character? I don't know how to describe it. It's a sitcom mom. She it's a sitcom really, mom. Yeah. You're right. And that's, and they are kind of going to that for an extent. They give Michael Keaton the fun things to do. Can I give you one more recasting idea? Sure. What if Meryl Streep's in this movie? Oh my God. We're just working it all out in real time. Um, I, again, a different movie. 
I'm worried that Meryl Streep would turn into the full, like the guilt, the guilt of motherhood. You know, Meryl brings a lot of guilt and shame for herself and others wherever she goes. And I think Meryl's one of the great actresses of our time. But like I said, what it's I'm, a fun part for her though, because she didn't really do parts like this in the eighties. She's doing true. weighty movies, you know, that's true. Cause she just done like a fun comedy. I don't know. Um, maybe, but I think you, she can't do this without one scene where she starts crying because she like missed Bobby's violin recital or whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted that scene. in the movie. I know you did. I there should have been that's one That's the one scene. thing where I'm just like, no crying about violin recitals. No, but, I, but that's how I felt like when I was on the road at the I NBA know. playoffs for four weeks and I missed like seven soccer games and a graduation thing. Like I know. that movie doesn't. It's just true. as a parent, it's, that doesn't tap into that. Like, I had these kids and now I'm not with them at all. And she's fine with it. Yeah. And it's a kid. I, I think it's true, too. My my mother, who's a very successful lawyer at this time and traveled a lot. And I just I remember being sad. Your kids miss you. And I think my mother felt very guilty about it. And that's because she actually was a good mother and cared about her children. Terry Gar does not seem <laughs> to care about her kids Terry at Gar all. does not care about her children. Because I think that I... The reason I brought up the Halloween scene is because I really identified with it. Because I, to me, Halloween is like the best day other than birthday parties for mm-hmm. your kids, right? And when you're a parent, it's so much fun to have like a two-year-old or a three-year-old when you can actually take them trick-or-treating for right. the first time. And the joy. It's like that day in Christmas. And all those kids are right in the Halloween zone. And like the mom doesn't care. Right. So that makes me just not trust her because I don't trust any parent who doesn't recognize that, like mom or dad. That's true. If you're like, I don't, my my kids love of Halloween, it means nothing to me. I'm like, well, I don't know if you should be a parent. I agree with you, except the point that she makes of she just convinced this guy to spend $12 million on her idea and she's got to be there for it. She does have to be there for it. All right. That's called feel, doing your job. But feel, feel bad, bad. about you're it. Right. I think Jesus. you're right. You're right. You're Come right. on, Terry Gar. You're right. Half-ass internet research. Couple things. Um, well, working in Motown Productions, producer Laura Schuler Donner. That mm-hmm. was the name I could remember for her. She read an article in National Lampoon written by John Hughes. Kept in touch with him. They had a meeting. Hughes told her about a disastrous experience he had looking after his two children in the absence of his wife. Schuler found it hilarious. They started working on the script. And that's how it happened. Hughes had a deal with Aaron Spelling for TV, brought him in as a producer. Universal dumped him because he worked in Chicago. They wanted him in LA, brought in all these other people. Um, apparently his script was better. I believe that. I would, ima- I would yeah, imagine that's John true Hughes. considering it's John Hughes. Um, Aaron Spelling said he wanted to make the movie because I couldn't find a film that was suitable to take my kids to. So we made one. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that's true. All I know is his, his kids were cut out of his estate, so I'm not sure how much he okay. cared about his kids. Um, that's all I got. Apex Mountain. Terry Gar, I guess, even though she's not good in this movie. No, but she- this Tootsie, Mr. Mom combo, right. Letterman. This is like the apex of Terry Gar. Okay. Keaton, no. No. Martin Mull, probably not. John Hughes, no. John Hughes, no. Um, the concept of a Mr. Mom, probably this is the apex. Yeah. Because they created it. That's all I got. Detroit. Detroit as a movie no, city? No. Because Detroit so. also had Gung Ho. I don't think this is Beverly the Hills Cop. Okay. A year later. This I, is, yeah. Things are happening in okay. Detroit. All right. That's all I got. Pick a nits. I wrote down, does anyone care less about her kids than Terry Gar? We've already covered okay. this. <laughs> I mean, she could have come back and there would have been two kids instead of three. And she might not have noticed for like a day and a half. Right. Probably. And like, where's little Bobby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's gone. He was kidnapped. So that, I mean, that happened. 
happens all the times in movies from the 80s. Even in this movie, Michael Keaton just loses all of his kids in the grocery store. Yeah, but that's realistic. That is, yeah, that's have realistic. Have you lost more, both children in my, a grocery store? My wife in 2012 in London lost Ben <laughs> at a giant park. Oh, no. And we didn't know where he was for 11 minutes. Oh, no. Yeah, kids can, kids are like, they're like dogs. They'll just run off and they're way faster than you think they are. And they're just gone. You look over and you thought they were here and they're there. Okay. So that, I actually thought that was realistic. Okay. But it's also, not to, not to go back to Home, Home Alone, the most controversial well, that movie is the ridiculous. Ringer. But okay. But I'm just saying. That's that ridiculous. They, you don't get on a plane without your they kid. They did this. When, when there were a lot of kids in the mix, yeah. you know, people were not attached at the hip to their children the way they are now. I'm not saying she's a terrible mom. I'm saying she's a terrible parent. Okay. I That's- think dad or mom, her her lack of interest in her own children is kind of startling. It's yeah. like, congratulations, you got a job. That doesn't mean you can't. Can you read a bedtime story to one of your kids once? What are you doing? <laughs> the Schooner Tuna ad mm-hmm. that they end up with, that they show on TV, is yeah. really terrible. Yes, it is. I don't know why they didn't try to make that like 3% better. My fellow Americans... I am Howard Humphrey, president of Schooner Tuna. All of us here at Schooner Tuna sympathize with those of you hit so hard by these trying economic times. In order to help you, we are reducing the price of Schooner Tuna by 50 cents a can. When this crisis is over, we will go back to our regular prices. Until then, remember, we're all in this together. Schooner Tuna, the tuna with the heart. Well, again, I think they ran out of time and, out and time. film. <laughs> and also, I mean, it gets the point across. The guy who directed this, I think his name was Stan Dragati, mm-hmm. whose claim to fame was he was married to Cheryl Teagues, which was a big thing. Yeah. To, that was a big title to have sure. in the 70s and 80s. This was, he made seven movies and this was probably the only one that did really well. Okay. But he made She's Out of Control in 1989, which is in the running for worst 80s movies. Oh, wow. Have you seen that one? No. Tony dances a dad. Oh. His daughter turns 15 and she, all of a sudden she's hot and there's oh, dates coming no. and she's out of control. Oh no. And it's Tony Danza trying oh, no. to, it's awful. Oh, you would hate no. it. Oh, it's the worst. Any other uh, pick and nits that we haven't done already? Um, their house is so dirty. Yeah, house, it's disgusting. Like, it's disgusting. And you said that, you know, Terry Gar would at some point notice that one of, wouldn't notice that her kids are missing. Yeah. That might be true, but she would notice how dirty this dumb house is. It would is. bother her. It's disgusting. It's bad. Okay. That's it. Okay. The other thing is that, like, the kids seem to have an advanced understanding of their parents' employment status, which I just don't really think kids care that much. Next category. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Well, it's been remade as a 10-episode <laughs> voodoo show. So that one is a yes. Um, unanswerable questions. I don't know how much we want to litigate this movie, okay. but um, Keaton gets his job back at the end with the other two guys. Right. Jeffrey Tambor, it turned out he was fudging some numbers and right. then brings them back, but he somehow doesn't get fired. None of that makes any sense. It's incoherent. When they pull Keaton back in and... You would think he would be like, I'm in, but Jeffrey Tambor has to be out. Right. And they don't even seem to understand the cause and the effect of like sales are down. But after he left, after Keaton left, but Jeffrey Tambor is like, I tried to cover for you. It makes no sense. It's incoherent. Yeah. Jeffrey Tambor for seven straight years was this exact character in everything he was Mm -hmm. in. And was, he was Three's Company, Mr. The Ropers. Mm -hmm. 
any pick five movies from this era. He's always just this guy. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me that he became Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. I remember when they hired him as Hank for Larry Sanders. And it was like, oh my God, that guy? Because he was just kind of this guy on Three's Company. Yeah. The sitcoms back then, they would just bring you back and you would, now you're a lawyer. And then eight episodes later, it's like, hey, it's Jeffrey Tamburg and he's now a doctor. (laughs) And it's like, there's no correlation to the past. Um, That's all I have for unanswerable questions. Who won the movie? Not Terry Garr. Not Terry Garr. I would say uh, Michael Keaton won the movie. I don't think that's a controversial take. No, I agree with you. He's very likable in this. He's really likable. And you escape kind of, I, I don't think it's a controversial premise, but it could go wrong. Oh, yeah. And he just, he skates through it with total charm. I will say, I miss not in 2019, not having a version of what Michael Keaton is during this era of movies of Night Shift and Mr. Mom. Like this kind of young guy in his 20s, late 20s, funny, likable, approachable. Unpredictable. I, I don't know. I don't know who who is this now. Who is Michael Keaton now? I don't feel like we have that person. I think Chris Evans yeah. tried to be this person, but he's not funny. He's not funny, and he's also too and obviously too old. hot. Yeah. Also, that's the other thing. It's just like you look at Chris Evans and you just like look at the right what he looks like. So who is it? And then? he's a little bit of a jerk too. I, I don't know if we have one because we don't have it's so He's so normal, Michael Keaton is, for lack of a better word. He he is like very handsome, but in a way that is approachable and attainably kind of, handsome. Yeah, like you would you could see someone who looks like him on the street. He's like really confident and just not a jerk and not edgy in any sort of way. And I feel like at this point to to be famous and then you have to have a thing, whether it's like you're like edgy or you're like really. Or you're hyper funny or you're strong the, or you're the smart guy or something it, there. You can't just be the everyman, Right. Which is, and that's why Michael Keaton and Tom Hanks were in the running together for so long is because they are both kind of like every who that is though. Yeah. We don't really have one. We've had a lot of people try. Yeah. So it's hard, hard to sell that one. Um, all right. That was Mr. Mom. I, I do think this is a fascinating rewatch. It really is. Out of all the 80s, I mean, there's a couple other 80s movies we could do. I think 9 to 5 would be a yeah. fun one to do at some point. There's some from this era that 30 years, 35 years later, it's worth watching. Baby Boom is a really good doubleheader with this one because it, it's like the, that's the woman's version. Basically, an, an interesting movie would be the Diane Keaton character from Baby Boom and Michael Keaton's character from Mr. Mom. You love Diane Keaton and you hate her in Godfather 1. I really, really think that I, I hate her in both, Bill. I think she's completely miscast. I do not understand. I really honestly That's the hottest take for down the road. That she wandered onto the wrong set. And then they were like, just say abortion like 15 <laughs> times really loudly. Just and seem she upset. never heard that word before. <laughs> but I think she's great in Baby Boom. You like her in a bunch of movies. I like all the Nancy Myers movies. Yeah. Baby, Baby Boom is written by she's Nancy Myers. Nancy Myers' yeah. proxy. Exactly. Yeah. I like Diane Keaton too. I agree that she is not good in Godfather. Thank you. Um, all right. You can check out Mr. Mom, the TV series, Voodoo's first original series based on the beloved 80s classic that we just talked about. Um, follows the Anderson family as they navigate family life in modern times, work together to overcome the unexpected twists of raising kids. Fun, lighthearted, perfect for both parents and children alike. Watch the first season of Mr. Mom for free today at voodoo.com slash Mr. Mom, V-U-D-U.com slash M-R-M-O-M. 
We are back next week on The Rewatchables with Den of Thieves. Oh, boy. A ringer favorite. Me, Shay Serrano, <laughs> Chris Ryan. Until then. Bye.